John um, 17, and we're going to start up in verse 6, and then we'll take a look at a couple of things. So John 17, verse 6, it says, uh, Jesus picks up, he says, I have revealed, or in some versions it says, I have manifested you to those whom you have given me out of the world. Everybody say revealed. 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 So Jesus said, I have revealed you, talking to God, to those, that's his disciples, apostles, those close to him. So he's praying, he's saying, Father, I've revealed you, your name, who you are, what you're like. I've revealed that to those you give me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, right? Pretty interesting, right? I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. That's crazy, right? Glory has come through Jesus, through the guys that all abandoned him and like took off when life mattered most. That's crazy. Verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Right? That was Judas who betrayed him. Bless you. Verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So look at somebody next to you say, we are not of this world. It's a weird thing to say, right? Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, so don't be praying that we get out of here soon, fast, and in a hurry. We got work to do. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Even Jesus praying for our protection. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify or set apart. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And then he picks up after that, and then he starts praying for future believers which would be us and all those after us. Um, but for this part of this prayer, it's pretty, there's a couple of things that stuck out to me. Um, so Jesus is praying there. There's a hem- heavy emphasis on how Jesus, like he showed up and he didn't have everything within himself. He didn't have um, 
all of the necessary resources, all of the necessary abilities. He did not have... He wasn't like a one-stop shop Jesus who possessed all things and could function independently of his Father. Jesus was not a one-stop shop. That's, that's interesting to me. So there was a lot of phraseology in there about, Father, you've given them to me. You've taken them out of the world, and now I've received them. Everything you've given from me, I've given back to you. Everything I, you know, I now have, I've taken from you, and everything that I have, I give to you. There's all of this giving going on. And Jesus is recognizing all of this giving and all of this stewardship that he has done. Let's say stewardship. So you can get a sense through his prayer that he knew what was coming from God, what was coming from the Father, and you get a sense from the prayer that it was really important to him to take care of what God was giving him. It was of the utmost importance. And he lived his life to reflect that. And then as he closes up kind of his life here on earth, he's praying now in front of them, showing them, hey, this is what I was doing. This is what was happening. I'm trying to take care of what God has given me. He's given me, you guys. He's given me a mission. I'm trying to be a good steward with you and with these things. And within that prayer, you can see that Jesus and his Father were close. That's maybe not a newsflash for you. But the phrase that I wrote down, I think maybe that helps a little bit, was that Jesus was supplied everything that he needed from his Father. He didn't acquire anything in his own strength. So Jesus supplied everything that he needed from his Father. The people, the money, the situations, the strength, the ability to not give in to temptation, the ability to see when people needed help in particular areas. Because it's not like Jesus just went to the local hospital of Pula Shalom and just healed every single person he ever came in contact with. There were just some people he didn't heal for whatever reasons. So, it's interesting that Jesus knew when to do these things, when to act, when not to. And then there's other phrases through the Bible where he says, I only do the things that I see my father doing. They were tight. Like, tight. So, for me, that's like uh, really sobering. Because if Jesus himself is like, man, everything that I'm about to accomplish here on this earth, I have to be like this with my Father so I can get it done right. That was Jesus' thought process. And he said that early on in John 5, we read it, um, Jesus quoted, he said, um, they knew all things given to Jesus were from the Father, Jesus himself said that. He said, all things were given to me by my Father. And so, it gives me a sense that, man, you know what? They're absolutely, it's really difficult to see where a Christian can take a day off. You know, that's not really the best news maybe for you, but it's, it's the truth, I think. I think it's the thing that we need to hear and need to talk about, is that there are no super-Christians. It's just, Jesus is the epitome of super. And he needed to be 
step and step tight with his father to be able to hear and understand and know where to go, what to do, how to be empowered. He had to be. Dang, Jared sure needs it too. A lot. Where you just put your name in there, right? And it's not like, uh, you know, a pastor or a missionary, a worship leader, then they can take like some days off and maybe a week, you know. They don't need grace as much as I need grace. It's crazy to think that way. It's crazy to think that way because it's so not the truth. So not the truth at all. And Jesus had a firm, firm understanding on who the source of his life was. Everybody say source. Source. So if you could get a mental picture of things in your life. So if I were to ask you, like, what would be a good illustration, a good picture of the word source? And you could only just have like a graphic or a picture or something. You'll have things floating, maybe going through your head. I don't know what you would have. But maybe you might have your work because they write you the paycheck. Um, or maybe you might have the sun, you know, because everything needs the sun. I'm talking, you know, S-U-N right now, not S-O-N. Okay? Uh-huh. So the sun might be it, maybe the water, right? Water, because you can't, if you don't have water, you don't have things that grow and function. But Jesus had a firm understanding as far as what the source was in his life. And he had a firm, really aggressive approach to making sure that nothing disconnected him from that source. Making sure they always had full power, always plugged in as much as he could. And within that thought process, because he was so tight to his source, I think you could see that in Jesus' life, he wasn't much of a taker. He was much more of a giver, right? Whatever I've received from you, Father, I've given to them. All I have is, is yours and all you have is mine. He was just a giver, giver, giver. Somebody will have to correct me this week if I'm wrong, which I definitely could be. But I, I can't think of a place in the scripture where we can really see Jesus as much of a taker. Because he understood where his source was. He knew that God was going to make up where he was lacking or where he might need. He had faith in that. And he lived that out. So he was definitely a giver. And so one of the things that I feel like God maybe shifted my heart a little bit with when looking at this passage is our approach to life and and hopefully falling into the the category of more giver, definitely less taker. Um, But how do you get to that mindset? And like, what does it look like? And I think we all want to live in definitely the giver category. But it comes with some wisdom, I think, and with some understanding. So let's take a look. So a couple ideas, some things that I thought here. So how do we get our minds to be fully assured? Because I don't think a lot of us are totally sold out that God is actually is in, really wants to be our source in every sense of the matter, in every area of our life. So like in our relationships, in our jobs, in our finances, in our emotional life, with whatever things that we deal with, are, we, are you totally and truly convinced 
that God cares about every detail of what happens in your heart and in your life. Without doubt, right? That's the question that we're posed with. If we believe that, we'll start to act a certain way. If we don't really buy into that, or maybe kind of on the fence, we're going to act a certain way. If we flat out don't, we'll definitely act a certain way too. But Jesus, it was unmistakable. He was like, you know what? My Father loves me. He cares for me. He's going to supply all my needs, and I can trust Him. It wasn't an issue for Jesus. And, and he's setting the model of how we're supposed to believe and have faith in our Father. So it's to look something like that. And a lot of us are at different stages. But eventually, as we walk with Christ, we're going to be in that type of place. Where we start to function more like that. Not perfect all the time. But it's certainly more of a way of thinking and more of a way of doing in life. Where we can say, you know what? No, I know. I know. Oh, I know. God cares about my life. He cares about my situation right now. I know that he will come through and provide for me. In fact, I don't see him doing it right now, but I'm going to tell other people that he will because I know he will. Right? So the question is, is that presumptuous or is that faith? Hopefully you've been connected with God, so it is some faith. But time will tell, right? Time will tell. Time will tell. So, how do we get our minds to be fully assured that he cares, that he empowers, and that he enables? Well, here's the first suggestion I have to answer that question. we got to move from givers to takers like we talked about before. we got to move just from givers to takers. Now, this happens in stages, okay? So, you know, we're going to be having, you know, our third little one coming soon. And when that... Yeah, and we find out the we found out the sex later this week, right? Thursday, we found the sex later this week, so we'll figure out if it's a little girl, a little boy. Don't know. Gonna love him up, whatever it is, right? I'm thinking little boy too. I am. Um, so that little baby, when he or she is born, they're basically for the first, geez, I don't know, <laughs> five to ten years. Hopefully not much longer. They're really pretty much just going to take all the time. They're just they're a lifestyle of taking. They're going to take all of our sleep, especially in the beginning, all of our sleep. They're going to take all of our money. Take all of Julie's milk. Right? They're going to take all kinds of stuff all the time. That's what they're going to do. Bless you. And we wouldn't, yeah, diapers, right? And we couldn't love them more. It's, it's that, isn't that weird, right? How the babies, all they do is take, 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 take. But we totally love them. Right? Because we as parents, we know that they're not even capable of giving anything out. So we don't even think of asking anything back from that. We just want to make sure we can feel everything we can to make that little baby survive. So some people just give their lives to Christ or are new in the faith. Be sure that the Heavenly Father is treating those newborn babes the same way. Doing everything he can to feed, nurture, and uphold that baby so he's taken care of. And be sure that he's also looking to use like the church family or the Christians to uphold that newborn babe as well. Now after 40 years, hopefully you don't stay that way. Right? We've got to move on a little bit. To where they get a little bit older. Where maybe now they're not just totally like, 
they reach a stage in life and they just, oh, I just give away everything now. No, it comes in stages. You know, they'll get a little bit older. And so, you know, now we're teaching. You know, we're four years in with Jaron. Okay, just like give away your cars once in a while without throwing a fit to your brother. You know, we're just like getting there for a little bit. And then they'll get older. Maybe they'll like share money or something together, you know, and then they'll get older. But at some point along the way, they're going to reach maturity to where, for the most part, they function as givers. That's the hope in the prayer anyways, is that the Spirit, by nature, is generous and it's giving. Look at Jesus in that prayer. I'm like, Father, I just gave it to them. You gave it to I just gave it to them. Whatever you put on my I just gave it away. I didn't even have anything, but then you gave it to me and I just gave it. God called us to be great givers, and he gave us things to give too. And here's the truth about givers. The truth about givers is you can kind of like fake give for a little while. See, there's some givers that they only give away damaged, kind of crappy items that they don't need, that you could probably also throw out, but they're giving away so that they can say they gave it away. I'm not talking about that kind of giving. I'm saying giving quality, quality, giving quality, quality stuff here. Jesus was giving quality. The best of them, so he gave the whole self away. Give him whole self away. Because it's true that God cannot do a significant work through us until he does a solid work in us. Because only he can create that heart in us that will be long term. Just create maybe a, a piece, somebody else, or just look good. It just dies off after a period of time. It's not sustaining, really. But when he does a good work in our hearts, it's done. We're changed. We're transformed. It's, it's just a part of us now. We don't have to pretend to be the part. We just, it's just who we are. We just give, and we're just generous. We don't think about how it might come back to us and what our return might be. It doesn't even matter. My Father's got me. He'll take care of me. Right? So he's trying to bring us to be. God has given us some things we can give out. Some things he's given us are his creation, right? We get his, enjoy it. It reveals kind of who this amazing creator is. He's given us his son, obviously, right? He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. But sometimes we can take for granted because when these guys are in the middle of it, like they didn't have what we have, hindsight, like we have now. It's an amazing thing to have the word that we have. And now we can have it on our phones, and we can have it on our tablet, and we can have it on our laptops, any version, any time, any place, anywhere. It's crazy. It's an amazing gift. Now, I tried to write down some things that maybe would be associated with a taker mindset. And let me just tell you, first and foremost, I, both hands, suffer either from these, combination of these, or others in the taker mindset. So it's not like I'm thinking of people and writing things down. I'm thinking, man, I, I know what that's like. Yep, that's one too. Yeah, that's definitely one. So I'm writing it down like that. Because it, this is almost like, unfortunately, this is, this is almost like a daily issue of where the Holy Spirit points out things in my life. Is that you are, you're taken right now. That's not, that's not what we're doing. 
You need to know that's not where we're headed, Jared. Let's work on this. I'm telling you, it's a daily thing. So here's a couple of things that the taker mindset is primarily concerned with. And I put down, you can tell it's primarily concerned with because it's thinking this and saying this. And I just put just concerning church. I didn't even put the rest of life. I just put concerning church because that's just where my mind was. So um, if somebody just complains nonstop about the traffic commute to church, it's like, what? that's weird. Now, now I don't have much of a commute. This is awesome. I grew up going to church. It was far away. And, and I mean, I got my first speeding ticket going to church. Like, I just, you know, the commute was annoying. Um, and there's some people that get to church and they just don't want to wait for anything. Just no waiting. Just let me get in, do my thing, and I get out. That's a weird mindset. That's taker. Or my parking spot. You know, my parking spot. Like that, some people get weird. That's my spot. Who's in my. You know, as you come down the thing. What? They ain't coming here a week. What are they doing on my spot? That's weird. That's a taker mindset, right? Or another big one my seat, or really in our case, is my pew. Yeah, that's my pew. It's my pew. Oh, welcome. You know, my pew. It's a taker mindset, right? Well, here's another one. My preferred worship songs. This is a big one. I, I don't like that song. I'm not going to sing to that one. I said I don't like it, and I am not. That's just weird. That's a taker mindset. Listen, every song that we play, I'm not exactly in love with. But, for the sake of the family, right? And it's, it's just about worship in general. It's about worshiping, you know? I've been in some really lame, just awful worship times, but it doesn't... That's my opinion, though, right? Who knows what the Spirit was doing in somebody's heart in that environment? I have no idea. But I was immediately confronted with, hey, this is worship time right now. You don't like this song? Then you just pray to me right now for a while. Just talk with me. Okay, good idea, Lord. I can do that. Here's another one. My preferred speaker or pastor. People get weird about that one too. Oh, I don't like him. Or, oh, like our, you know, so-and-so isn't here today. People get weird about that. Another one, holding on to money. That's always a big one. Or another one in church. An unwillingness to be challenged or open to something different than your own understanding. Right? That happens a lot in church. Like, we just all have different backgrounds, experiences. So we come to church, we're like, man, this is the only way. I've had amazing experiences. I have tremendous insight. I really know better than this young buck that just got saved two weeks ago. And, and if, if we approach it like that, we're missing out. That's a taker mindset. That just puts us at the center. The Spirit can do something brand new, radically different, that's never, ever happened before in somebody's life and someone that's only a week old. He's known to do that kind of thing. And of course, that could be you know, not the case, and maybe there's just wisdom and experience. Somebody can see where somebody's headed, trying to head them off the path, be like, man, you know, I've done that, made that mistake. Ah, it just doesn't... You know, try and come alongside, and that's good. But to kind of have the, ah, you know, what'd you do? Ah, what'd you do? You know, and just like match experiences, it's craziness. It's just taker. And then the last thing that I wrote is everything's in negotiation. Everything's in the, like, I can do this if I could do that, or I can only really serve or do this thing if I can do that. You know, it's like weird negotiation stuff. 
And I'm sure you could fill in all of your taker mindset types things. So I think that helps us just with the thinking, right? Because we want to be able to pray a prayer to Jesus consistently and often where we say, Father, everything you've given me, I've just given out. Everything you've given to me, I've just given out in the way that you wanted to. Right? And the way to be able to do that is start thinking like a giver. So that's why we kind of talk about some of those lists. But the next item is... God guarantees, because some people could be thinking, well, Jesus, that's Jesus. I mean, you know, that's his son. How is God not going to respond to that? It's his father. Honestly, no matter who we are or where we're from, where the background is, he is going to treat us the same way that he treated Jesus. Please understand that and know that that's true. I know that you have lots of background and issues. And so does God. And he still says, listen, if you're living inside my son and what he did, you are inherited the same exact rights. You have my direct line. You have my ear all the time. And I'll pour out myself in your life as I did in my sons. It's true. God guarantees and assures us that he will be our source. He's looking for us. Pay attention to this part. So the guarantee is there. The assurance is there because he said it. So, pay attention to this one. He's looking for us to take steps of faith to know about his supply and who he is. He's looking for us. So the way you activate the source and know that he really is a source in the way that Jesus so intimately knew about, he gives us a way to activate. A way to activate that are steps of faith. He places things in our lives where he says, okay, you have this situation. I got a way for you. If you kind of just don't do it the way you typically do it and do it the way I'm showing you right now, you're going to see I'm going to come through on this. I will be faithful. So someone might be thinking, well, what kind of steps of faith are we talking? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. I have some suggestions. I wrote some things down. Some of these might help. Maybe none of them are helpful, but maybe the Spirit will just give you something that's not even on the list. You're like, that's one for me. So here's, here's just some. Steps of faith can activate our relationship to the source. Here's one. Not automatically assuming something negative about somebody else. For some people, that's just default mode. They're just extremely cynical. And it's always something negative associated to what they're doing, saying, whatever. Now, of course, sometimes we get to know some people and we can know if they're just in it for their own good and trying to take advantage, you know, But a lot of times in life, to just always come across with that first assumption is, that's scary, that's not good. God is calling us to treat people as value. In fact, let me tell you this, he turns it up a notch. What he does call us to do, he calls us to love people. And the way that we can love people powerfully, here's what we do. You ready? What we do is because we've been in connection with God, we then see 
an incredible amount of value in their life because we've been being with God. And this is awesome. Someone that needs to be in fellowship with their father. And they're just not seeing straight for whatever reason. So because we've been with God, we see this amazing amount of value, destiny, and potential. And so now we approach them in such a way so that we help them to see it and hopefully lead them towards their father. Does that make sense? It's harder in some situations. Like with the boss and employee, it's kind of hard, but, but you might get pockets. God is good at creating pockets and creating ways. Or in families, maybe it's hard sometimes, but um, he makes ways. He makes ways, I'm telling you. But we've got to recognize and go for it. So that could be a step of faith, is just approaching somebody and not coming with any biases, any weird stuff, not judging them immediately by the way they look and stereotyping them and just, hey, what's going on, you know? Like, nothing attached. It's so rare to find that, even in a Christian circle. Somebody was just, just really, I had no idea they were into something like that. They don't look like they'd be into something like that. <laughs> Come on, what are we doing? Like, and there's people, man. There's people. It's not high school anymore. We're kids of the king. Calling out value. Here's another one. Making ourselves vulnerable with another person. That's a huge step of faith. Making ourselves vulnerable with somebody else. Because our temptation is certainly to not make ourselves vulnerable. And like that song was, putting up walls. I could just sit, right? I'm not going to sing the whole song. song. But right, I could just sit here in your presence, never ever let go, you know, keep the walls up. It's a way to approach life. That's definitely not a giver, source type of way to do it. It's just not good, not helpful. So God is calling us, right? There should be for the Christian at least, at least one other Christian that, man, we are super vulnerable with. At least one. There might be, you know, a few others. There's really no limit. But there should at least be one where we can just be vulnerable with and just share things. And then husbands and wives, that's a whole other category. So husband and wives got to be vulnerable even if things are going great, which everybody wants to be vulnerable then. Then it's like you're dating again and it's fun. But then if things aren't going so great and maybe even feeling not real appreciated or recognized, still making vulnerable and trying to just give them the best. It's hard stuff, right? That's a step of faith. Because that's showing, Lord, I won't do it the, t- the typical way I want to and kind of protect myself. I'm going to do it in a way that will honor you first. And it's going to be really tough for me, but I feel like you're calling me to do it. That's a step of faith. You'll start to understand who the source is and how it can be the source of our emotional life. Praying out loud when we're afraid to. Always a big one. Man, just take that step. Recognize that He is the source and we're praying just to Him and He will supply the words needed and whatever action after. But many times He's calling us just to verbalize what the Spirit's doing inside of us. And if we shut that thing down, we'll never know about the source that could use us in a powerful way. Interesting run I wrote down. Uh, Another step of faith could just be dancing when we feel led to. You might get the feeling once in a while just start dancing with some worship music. At CC Noggy, we do not frown upon that. Don't hurt anybody and don't get really weird. But if you get a little bit weird, it's okay. But if you're feeling something coming in, you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you're just like, okay, 
okay, go ahead. Like, there's no rule against that. You have no idea what that might trigger, what might happen. And I'm not saying, you know, we do it so everybody looks at us. I'm just saying if, like, sometimes you just need to rejoice and he's about to just explode within you and you want to, like, let loose. Okay, or if you want to practice in private first and then bring it here, that's fine. But I'm saying it's not totally off limits. The Spirit has a way of just, like, just going crazy inside of us, man, just taking over our faculties and we just go. Raising our hands when we feel led to. It could be another step of faith, right? That could just be a step of faith. Ah, that's weird. They do that, you know, and they, what is the, uh, sometimes it could just be, boom, put them here. You know, that could just be it. Could just be worship. Yeah, right? No right way. Just worship. That's just a sign of surrender, usually what it comes down to. Or just a sign of praise. Oh my, you're so much better than what I thought, Lord. I'm so sorry for doubting you this week. Thank you, God. Right? It's just, boom, comes right there. So if he's moving you to do it, that's a step of faith. Like, activate, activate. He gives us these situations to be able to do it. These are all little things that all add up. I'm telling you, they add up. Oh, boy, I got a bunch here. Uh, I don't know. I think you get the idea, though, right? You get the idea, right? With that being said, let me show you one. Turn to your bulletin. I want to show you something. Uh, so in our bulletin here, we got on the back. So we have our budget listed on the back, okay? We have our budget listed on the back. And I think this just fits in just with what we're talking about. So on the back there, we got a budget of $70,000 for our little church this year coming up. So last year, we had a budget of... 52000 right? And as a church, what we did is, so we basically have two sources of really income, right? So we have whatever people give on a Sunday morning, which I like the way we do, right? We don't pass around the basket. There's a box in the back or on our website. And if people feel, right, if people feel led, right, they go for it. They go for it. And let me just say, too, as a side note, that this is all not a ploy to, like, get to money. Anybody who knows us and knows this church and knows me, I don't, we spend hard, very little time talking about it. Honestly, we just talk about it when it comes up in Scripture. We won't avoid it when it comes up, but it just doesn't come up a whole heck of a lot. More times, stewardship comes up. More times, stewardship comes up. So, that's an aggressive budget compared to last year. But let me tell you, last year, we only came up about $1,500 short of our budget. It's pretty awesome. Like, we looked at last year's budget, like, dang. That's a lot of money for a little group of people. But we came about 1500 short. And that we get money from two other, yeah, two other churches that help support us. So there's a church in Woodbridge that sends us a check every few months. And then there's a church um, in West Harvard that sends us a check every month. And it's not a ton of money, but it helps. And so, yeah, we were only about 1500 bucks short, you know, last year. So this year, we created this budget with a few things, a few things in mind. So with this budget, we have not a lot, but some savings built in for a building fund, just to start putting us in that direction. Yeah! Let's get a building. Come on. What are we doing here? Come on, Lord. So a building, right? And Holy Spirit knows our needs, and we want to be patient on them. But at the same time, you can wait on the Lord and use some wisdom. 
right? So saving for that. Also built into that is some significant savings towards, we call it benevolence. Being able to have a stash of money, basically, to help people when they're in tight spots. Be able to provide rent for somebody here. To be able to provide, you know, buy furniture or somebody or something over there. To be able to bring groceries to somebody over here. Like, just to be ready to go. And have it ready. You know, so a significant amount towards that. Um, just about, a little bit increase, but just about the same spending towards just being into our town. Just being busy in Naugatuck. We're just going to be doing a lot of things in our town this year. Just trying to reach in multiple ways. And also, just so you know, within that budget, um, our, church, uh, our church board has, has decided to give uh, myself a little bit of a pay raise. And so that's... You know, one person excited, but I mean, Julie's excited too. And, uh, and I, I don't... Uh, so basically, it turns out to be um, about twenty thousand dollars. It will be, you know, this year from the church. And the, honestly, the goal is for me to move out of teaching math, full time pastor, and like that's the goal. Um, and I do believe like that's like God's call, and that's you know what He's doing. And um, so, you know, we're just trying to make a way to get there. So that's the understanding in that. Um, so that's in there as well. So, with all of that being said, I, I just wanted to give some explanation to the numbers so you understand it a little bit better. And here's basically what I broke it down to. When it comes to giving at church, financially, to be totally honest with you, there, there's nowhere in the New Testament where it's modeled that we have to give, or even said, we have to give 10%. That's really Old Testament. That's what's happened. That was developed. That was 10% off the top. Gross income, first fruits. That's what the Bible called it. So whatever you come in, 10%, boom, right off the top goes to God. You sacrifice it. You worship him. That's what you do. New Testament, the standard really is what we were talking about this morning. And that's why it fits in. is being giving and being generous. What's the amount? What's the percentage? What do I do? I don't know. What do you feel like God's leading you to do? Honestly, that's the response. I know it's not a great one, and I know most people would rather be told what they have to do so they could do it. But the thing is, is that it's still being told what you have to do. It's just the Holy Spirit telling you, and not some clergy or somebody else. (laughs) So, here's what I worked it down to. And then you guys do whatever you want with it, but I'll just share it. Basically, what I worked it down to is typically our church, we're kind of in the stage right now where we're like 40 to 50 people, including kids, usually on a Sunday morning. We're in that range somewhere. So one is we're just praying and anticipating that God is just going to continue to grow our churches here. I just honestly feel like it's going to happen. continues to just trend that way. So if you call this your church home, I basically figured out to where if we had 40 people that gave regularly, okay, 40 people that gave regularly, if they gave $35 a week, we easily meet our budget for the year. So 40 people gave regularly $35 a week, we easily meet it without a problem. So I'm saying, do that what you want. I'm just saying I just broke it down. This is the way to think of it. I'm saying some people give more, some people give less. You feel like what God has put on your heart 
I'm just saying if you call this your church family, that's what we're going after this year. And if you can do it and support that way, awesome. If you cannot, that's fine too. It's all good. So, this is not a probe or a guilt trip in any way, shape, or form, so please don't take it that way. (laughs) But I think it comes down to many times God shows us, right? We're talking about him being the source, right? Being giving, being generous. I'm telling you, like, at least in our family, and he continues to, and in a lot of homes and a lot of hearts, we are able to experience Holy Spirit as our source in our emotional life. And, man, we just, like, give away. And we just don't live in response all the time. It's amazing how we figure out how he can just change us from the inside, how we treat other people. It's amazing. And the other way he tends to do it, honestly, a lot of times with our wall and with our finances because we work so hard for it. All the time, like, we're working hard. and Nobody in here is, like, you know, rolling in the dough easily all the time, so we're all working. And it's like, you know, we're going to, you know, God, you want how much? Like, it's like we grudgingly pry open our fingers to sort of... And the Murphy home, you know, isn't that much different, you know? We're going to be giving more this year, and it's like... The Murphy home is still like, yes, we get to give more this year, you know? It's like... Duh, that's, and we got, you know, it's like still hard, you know, it's just, just being honest with you, I've got to be honest about this stuff, right? So I want to be pretentious and make you think, oh, you know, it's not an issue, you know. So, things that the Holy Spirit works on, He's just got to take care of, you know. And when he, but I'll tell you the other thing, though. The Murphy home has also experienced more, when we're just talking finances, more just financial random uh, checks and random cash in the past two years, which because about two years ago, we were about to lose our minds, but about two years ago, in that, in that two-year time period, just out of nowhere. I'm saying out of nowhere. Just, people just send stuff. Hey, we, you know, we just, we're praying, we feel like, for you, here you go. <laughs> Thank you. We would never know the source in that way unless we just lay it all out there. We could try and figure out a way to where we can have this and have that and try and gauge everything and monitor our, our like, um, danger zone levels. and Sometimes we can do that, but sometimes we just can't. God's just calling us to do more. And to be honest with you, I'm interested in a pile of rocks like we talked about before. And a lot of times you only get there is he puts you in a position to where all we have is him and the source. So I'm very interested to see what God does this year, you know, with our church family, you know, with this budget, because then that's just another testimony. It's like, dang, Lord, I don't know how. And I'm so looking forward to in December. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right, so here's my closing thought here. So God will guarantee and assure us that he'll be our source. He's looking for us to take steps of faith. So we talked about steps of faith, all that stuff, right? Emotionally, financially, talked about that. Here's the last thought. If we show ourselves faithful when opportunities arise, it will reveal to us the heart and the ability of the source. So if we show ourselves faithful when an opportunity arises and we come through, we're going to start to just get a glimpse of who he really is and what he can really do. If you got your Bibles, just turn back Genesis real quick. Genesis 22.
This is like the ultimate picture here. Forgiving, generosity, and recognizing who the source is. So I'm just going to read it. Genesis 22, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Here I am, he replied. Abraham said that. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What the heck? What is the deal? That, talk about like irrational and just completely bizarre, not even like morally sound thing to, for God to ask. I mean, this is way over the line. Are you with me on that? It, it's way over. So it's like if you're Abraham... I'm sure he's thinking, God did not say this. I rebuke that. (laughs) That can't be God. Because right there, man, it does not sound anything like God. Right? Doesn't sound anything like him. Many times, you will hear something. Someone will come through in your life, it won't sound anything like God. Because it will be just so out there and radical. I'm not saying it definitely is. I'm saying make sure you test it, some otherwise Christians, and talk about it. Don't totally dismiss it right away. That'd be a mistake. Because this is crazy. Go get your son offered as a sacrifice. Are you kidding me? Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. The next morning. Yeah, he didn't think too long, I guess. That's crazy. Early the next morning, I tell you what, I ain't bringing Jaron up there first thing in the morning. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, isn't that interesting? It's not something about third days. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. He's calling this worship. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself, his son, carried the fire and the knife, or the wood and the knife. And As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? He's catching on, right? He's catching on. And a lot of Bible commentators think he might even be close to like 11, 12 years old at this point. It's crazy. Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself would provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I can't even. That's like. How do you. I mean, that, that's. Spe- I, you know, what do you say to that? It says, then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. 
Now I know that you fear God, a.k.a. now I know that you think and know that I'm your source, right? Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thickets he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And many people also believe and think that that's that same mountain where Jesus himself was hung on a cross. Verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, your son, your only son, sound familiar with Jesus? Your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That's just wild. Wild. Abraham showed himself faithful, and then it was revealed to him who the source is and what the source is like. And honestly, there's a big part of my mind that's thinking, Lord, you could have made that point probably any other way, right? Apparently not for Abraham. think God is willing to go with some super extreme things to get us to understand that he's truly the source for us and that he can be trusted. I'm not saying that's all the time. I mean, that was, you know, one time in his life that happened. And, but he may bring us to places where, man, it's a really big, significant thing. But many times in our lives, in the day-to-day, It's small steps of faith that he communicates us on. Man, let loose in worship today. Hey, go talk to so-and-so. Give somebody a call. Shoot so-and-so a text. You should really go to that Bible study. Ask that question now. I don't usually ask questions. Just ask it now, you know? These are the things he's calling us into. Things he's calling us into. So he wants us, he wants to be our source. Flat out. Imagine if we actually, I mean, just if we totally grasped it, totally into it, he's our source all the time, no matter what, no matter the situation. Tell you what, you won't have a whole lot of anxiety about it. Not much at all. But we're at different stages and we're growing. So the question, I guess, really is when God presents an opportunity for a step to activate, will we come through? That's the question, right? That's the question. So let's stand. We're going to close in prayer. And here's the amazing thing, though. And I don't say this so that you don't rise to the occasion when the opportunity presents itself. I say this just to encourage, because some people could take this to mean, oh my gosh, this is, this is heavy duty. This is burdensome. If I don't come through and do something, you know, things are going to fall apart. I'm going to miss out. We're not that important. We're not quite that important. 
Let me tell you what. He's got definite purpose for our lives. Some might be huge and influence and touch lots of people. Fine, that's great. Some is going to be smaller in our setting where we're at. And the good news is, our God is so good, so faithful, has so many ways. Even if you mess up plan A, he's got plan B waiting for you. Got plan C, screwing that one up. See, most of you guys are probably like me, you get to plan R. We're trying to cut that thing off, like, you know, before he has to run into numbers instead of after letters. There's a shorter way, yeah, restart button, right? Jesus is our restart. I mean, it's like, he's going to provide it. He's going to provide it. I just hope we got enough courage and boldness to where we would embrace a big step when it comes or just a little step when it comes, you know? Because that's what it comes down to. Because it's totally true. He's got to do that work in us first before he can work through us in a powerful way. It just goes for all of us, me included, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Father, we just thank you for making a way to where our performance in life is not just dependent upon our personality and resources and abilities. We thank you, Jesus, for being obedient, going to the cross for us, We thank you for setting a model of how to be close to our Father in Heaven. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just drop on our church family an increased awareness of being intentional about being close with you. I thank you for the chains and for the barriers that you continue to break down. You're changing hearts and lives in this room in amazing ways. And we just thank you for it. We pray for continued outpouring of more freedom in our church family and more freedom in this town. That people would be set free from emotional distress to be set free from anxieties, that people would be set free from the fear of opinions of others. Father, we pray for the freedom, just financially, just to be free, Lord. We thank you that you've equipped us and made a way. And we just pray, Lord, that we would encourage each other and come alongside each other. We love you, Lord, and thank you for what you're doing. And we look forward to what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.